This week on The Wise Guys. Like, everything has to change. Like, or, like, even closer to the point where it has to, not, not a revolution, like, type of thing, but, like, an internal or social or, like, a cultural revolution, how we deal with everyday life in general as black people. That's a fact. You know what I mean? Because it's just, like, you know, for me personally, I've been, like, I've been very dedicated to, like, studying about black, about myself, about my people and stuff, and very, and knowing the real true issues of what's going on, and it's just, like, you know, like I was talking, we're so behind. Yeah. You know, we're so behind. You know, we've been, you know, it, literally the, the world has declared war on us. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it used every types of tricks and every types of, every, every type of, uh, you know, financial power, you know, media power, social power, military power, and it just yeah. stuffs black people in this certain, like, spot. You know, and then we just have to be vigorous. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? This is Kevin Unglad, and you are now tuning in to the Wise Guys Podcast, brought to you by Flowered Concrete. Check it out. Yo, 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 what's going on? What's going on? This is your boy, Kevin Unglad. And this is Mark Pruden. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with another week, for another week, and another episode of the Wise Guys Podcast. Mark, how you doing, brother? Can't complain. It's a beautiful day. We have a special guest, so uh, it's always good to have our first in-person guest. Yes, yeah. our very, very first in-person guest on awesome. the Wise Guys podcast this week. Uh, ladies and gentlemen of the Wise community, if you have been tuning into the Wise Guys um, since the top of the year, since January, right? right. Um, we've run... Um, we brought we brought on a wealth and abundance of, of guests onto the show, you know, ranging and spanning from all different types of backgrounds and walks of life, uh, you know, whether it's dealing with you know credit card debt, mortgages, student loans, um, you know, talking about the socioeconomics of the black community and how that plays into us building generational wealth or not, and how we can break all of these cycles. You know, there's just a wealth of information that always needs to be shared. And this next guest coming onto the show. He's like Mark said before, he's our first in-person guest on The Wise Guys, but then at the same time, he's also a returning guest. Exactly. So the fact that he's a returning guest, I no longer want to call him a guest after this because he's unofficially, officially a wise guy. You know? There we go. Um, so with that being said, without further ado, for this episode, episode 43... Hood Politics. This is America Part 2, alright? We're doing a Part 2 to that first episode of This is America, the prequel back from Season 1, Episode 20, I think it was. Episode 21, yes. Uh, please, without further ado, Jerome. Jerome Davis. Jerome, how you feeling, brother? Welcome oh, back great, to man. the Wise Thank you. Man. Thank you for having me again, man. It's a so blessing. Happy it's a blessing. You. Yeah, thank you. How you feeling, man? How's your day been going? I'm great, man. You know, it's, it's, been, it's been going. It's a beautiful day outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Sounds good. Welcome to Brooklyn. Welcome to the studio. All right, thank you. Uh, so, Jerome, Mark, you guys both know how the show go, right? Obviously, you know, we've been doing this for a while. You've done this already with us. Now you're doing it in person. So get ready for another, you know, uh, addition to the convo in terms of us all being in person. So today's episode, gentlemen, is called Hood Politics, as I said before. So we're talking a lot about the nation itself and the politics that goes into shaping, creating, and honing our hoods, our neighborhoods, as black folks, all right? So I wanted to kind of throw some information at you both, at both of you gentlemen, before we kind of like, you know, 
delve into it. You know? Right. So check this out. In the 1930s, right, the Federal Home Owners Loan Corporation and the FHA, the Federal Housing Administration, used color-coded maps to rank the investment potential of residential areas for banks, insurance companies, loan associations, and other investors, right? Excellent prospects for investment, predominantly white neighborhoods, were green. Other desirable areas were blue. Declining areas were coded yellow, and predominantly black communities were coded red. Properties in these so-called redlined neighborhoods were deemed unsafe investments and were typically ineligible for federally backed mortgages. Racially biased sales practices blocked black people from buying property outside of black neighborhoods and redlining made it all but impossible to obtain mortgages to buy property in black neighborhoods. Those able to buy homes faced exorbitant interest rates, unstable property values, and high risk of default and foreclosure. This is all coming from the Equal Justice Initiative. So when you think about all that information um, that I just threw at the both of you, and you think about what we're here to talk about today, I'm currently wondering, what was the intention, what was the intention of the Federal Home Owners Loan Corporation and the Federal Housing Administration to color code these maps and to kind of rank the, uh, the, 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 the areas in which these loans were either given, not given, and how things were spread across the communities. What do you both think? Why, why, do, you, why do you think uh, these uh, policies were uh, placed into effect? I'm thinking, uh, well, I mean, it's an obvious way for them to delay or stop altogether the wealth building of African Americans. Because, I mean, almost 70% of the average person's wealth is in their home. So if we take away the African Americans' ability to own a home, then we take away their wealth. And wealth is power. So if we can limit their wealth, they have no power. It's just the way you have people now uh, in black communities that, you know, they scream, that they hate... uh, they, they hate when white people come in. They hate when, um, what they, what's, what's the word they use? Uh, gentrified. Yeah, gentrified. They're like, oh, my neighborhood's being gentrified and they're angry. It's like, how can you complain when you don't own anything in the, in the neighborhood? You know, The only way you can control the gentrification in your neighborhood is to own. But if you take away their ability to own, their wealth building potential is lowered. All they can do is complain. They can't really do anything about it. So yeah. that's what I feel. It's just a way to, to delay their wealth building and give whites a head start. Because, I mean, we all know that all of these racist laws eventually get overturned. But by the time they get overturned, the damage is done. You know, whites were able to build 10 times more wealth than, than African Americans have now. So, right. I think it's, it was definitely, it, it did what it had to do. It did what it was intended to do. So, Absolutely. I think that was just uh, executed perfectly in their eyes. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. Sure. Jerome, what are your thoughts? Yes, yeah, I think I'll kind of piggyback because, you know, like, that kind of was like the cultural belief at that time you know just the whole racist you know and it's just like you kind of carry that with you in your like occupation like they say in like politics like political science they'll say like um you can tell how a, a certain uh candidate is going to behave just by his cultural ideas right you know and he's going to function like that 
You know, yeah. even when he gets into a certain kind of office, he's gonna go to these certain beliefs he already has. And I feel like, like the country, most of the time, we're talking about the 1930s. Yeah. <laughs> when you say that racist wasn't, <laughs> right. you know, it wasn't wasn't a, a big issue than it was. Yeah. You know, what you know, 1865, what you have, what 45, 55 years, but. 60 years that's true you know that you've been you know out of you know emancipated so like the policies just like all those you know racist tendencies just like you know seeped into like uh just the the whole financial system and you know the housing system and you just you just saw the backlash of it yeah yeah i feel as if um i feel as if like uh a lot of these policies and these different housing acts and things that were, you know, put into place, you know, from the emancipation of slavery, Mm -hmm. you know, in 1865, Mm -hmm. you know, even when you think of Juneteenth, you know, Galveston, Texas, they didn't get the news until two years later that they had been freed, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, now they're two years behind on building something (laughs) because they had no clue as to what was going on Mm -hmm. in regards to, because Massa knew, but wasn't going to tell you anything, you know what I'm saying? Let's just keep these niggers still enslaved. You know, they, they don't know. They don't know. Same thing is, if we hide something in a book, they won't go and find it. You know, they can't read. You know. Definitely. And you think of Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. You think of civil rights. You think of even this, right? Quintel Crow. It almost seems as if like a lot of these these things all intertwine and connect and play a part in terms of the disruption of building anything. Yeah. Constantly through decades over the past 250 years. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's there's clearly a reason why we didn't get that 40 acres in a mule, you know? Because imagine if they would have gave every former slave 40 acres. We'd be able to pass down 40 acres, you know, to generation after generation. We would build serious wealth. Mm. They knew they couldn't do that. Because right. if they gave us that 40 acres in a mule, that would have empowered African Americans so much that it would have been impossible to truly suppress them. Yeah. Just think if every black person had 40 acres of land, like, we would have our own communities. We yeah. would have our own airports and, and, and you know, bus routes. Just, it's, it's crazy, man. That's just, it would have been just too much power. Yeah. And that's the reason why they, they pulled the cord on that quickly. Because it, it was a good thing to, to you know, make <laughs> us fun, feel like man. we're going to yeah, get it. Man. But it's just like, nope, can't do that. Yeah. Good idea, <laughs> but... Like a year after, two years after the um, they, wasn't they given land a little bit after the sewer? They gave them like people. Oh, yeah, we're gonna just take this back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah this isn't a good idea. Yeah, yeah. You don't need this anymore. Yeah, man. That's crazy. Forty <laughs> acres. Is there anything you want to add to that, Jerome? No, no, no. So let me ask both of you guys uh, this question right here. Our first official question for today's uh, show. Um, and this is a wise community. This is a part of our first segment of the day called The Nation Divided. I just kind of wanted to bring historical context into the conversation to kind of set us up for the convo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, for this first segment, segment one, A Nation Divided, can the dismantling, all right, so can the dismantling of redlining bring about change for the black community? Would it enable us to finally get our start in economic and social empowerment? So, when I say that, when I ask that question, I'm talking about black businesses. You know, social conditions amongst the community, opportunities, you know, networking within our own, you know, within our own bubble. What do you guys think? Me personally, I'm gonna be a devil advocate. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna. I don't. I don't think so because I feel like, you know, like the why. Well, 
coming from New York or what I see in New York, maybe I can't talk for the whole country, but it's just I feel like, you know, just the way how to approach like finances and like just life, I, I feel like culturally, a lot of like, you know, black families and stuff like that don't have like the proper knowledge and education to like, like, you know, if you get these loans, you know, how, how much, you know, people are in credit card debt? You know, that's a common thing. How many people, the average American doesn't even know what he pays on the interest rate on his credit card. That's a fact. You know, the average one. The, the average American doesn't have the savings. Yeah. You know, and now you're talking about the people that has been historically disenfranchised. And then you're, you're saying that if you, once we give them all these services, they'll be able, or you're just asking for more debt. You know, I don't want to even say, you know, I don't, I don't even want to, um, not to put the person name, I was talking to a colleague of mine and he was talking about, you know, getting more loans. I have a loan from this bank, but they're not giving me on any more money. They said I maxed out. Dang. And he's like, maybe I'll go. <laughs> we were talking about black banks. He's like, oh, maybe I could go to one of the black banks and like yeah. get more like, so, 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 you, so you're already in debt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're gonna, just going to add more debt. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I don't, I, I personally don't feel like, you know, you know, as a as a group of people, we have like the education mm-hmm. there to you know to make a, a, a I say you know a, a wealthy community or more educated community to to, to progress no. financially. Yeah, no. not much on that. Yeah, your thoughts, brother. Well, yeah, definitely because uh, well to answer the question, I mean, redlining has been over you know for decades already, so. Even when they took away these racial programs, we still have the systematic racism in, you know, real estate, in stocks. It's, and we're not saying that, you know, the stock exchange is racist, but the system in place prevents people, you know, people of color or people that are from, you know, low-income communities from actually investing. Because, like you said, if you take away the education and you take away the ability for them to learn about how loans work and how stocks work and how bonds work, they're still ignorant. So they're going to fall into the financial traps that are laid for them. You know, we even were able to trick an entire generation of children, you know, to be in debt essentially forever when we said, don't overspend on things you, you know, you can't afford, but you can overspend for college. That makes no sense. <laughs> we, we told them it's okay to overspend for college and now they've put the shackles on for life to be, you know, indebted to an institution that won't let you, they don't even know that, you know, a lot of people don't know that with student loans, you can't get out of them through bankruptcy. The only way to really get out of it is if you're not able to work because they'll essentially take your social security payments, you know, when you're ready to retire, if you don't pay it off. So mm. even, even when they learn from their parents that credit card debt is bad, they have a new trick, the student loan. Now, it, now, when those student loan victims have children, they'll tell their children, don't get student loans. It's bad. Okay, the, student, the kids know that, but now there's going to be a new trap and a new trap and a new trap. It's just going to keep evolving. As, as we learn, they're going to add a new curveball. So it's, it's really uh, it's hard to say. I mean, some people will say that this system doesn't exist, but I mean, we know as, as brothers that grew up in it, we know that there's a system in place. But uh, they'll continue to call us crazy. No, it's true. Yeah. It's very, very true. And um, I can't speak on a lot of these matters because I haven't fully invested myself or started indulging in a lot of these things. But one thing I can speak on is just my prior experience of 
we talk about it all the time, Mark, about just being a student yeah. and working through college and stuff like that. You know, um, I was fortunate enough to, you know, do undergrad at Queensboro. Shout out to Queensboro with both of you gentlemen for a little bit, right? Um, then as well as go to Brooklyn College, get my bachelor's there, and then go to Queens College. Shout out to both of those schools and get my master's there. And I might just be 100% real with y'all. I'm 29, about to be 30 in a year. And I feel as if where I thought I'd be at 29, going on 30, I'm not even at my life's journey point yet in terms of like where I want my income to be. And I'm like, man, like I was 20K in the hole at one point for my master's. Now I'm like at like 12,000 in the hole, 12K in the hole, which is better, you know, I'm, I'm cutting it down. But it's like with that, and then you know, my little bit of credit card debt that I have and paying my bills, it's like, yo, I don't care, I'm gonna be honest. I got this, you know, I got a job working as a rehab therapist and I'm still, you know, an adjunct professor at Google University. How the hell in 2020, I'm still living paycheck to paycheck, bro? That's crazy. I thought going to school, all those hours you saw me busting and knocking down in the library, bro, son, you, you know I thought I was gonna be gone, gone. Like, I thought I was gonna be like, yeah, 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 you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I was like, what, 21, 22 at the time, you I know what I'm saying? You. And like, all those hours you saw me put it in, you know, in that joint, I thought I was gonna be so far ahead by the time I got to be at this point, at this age. Yeah. And it's just like, damn, oh, so this is what it means to make 44 or 45K a year. You're not making 45,000 a year. You're making maybe 20, like 30, 31. And the other 14,000, you're being taxed out of your paycheck every week. Yeah. I didn't know that. I had no clue, bro. Anybody tell you? Nobody told me. <laughs> I thought I'm going to make 45, 46K directly. And all that money's going back to Like Even when the IRS and the tax season was coming around when I was in college and when I was like a teenager, I'm like, this taxes stuff work like where's that money coming from like you know i'm seeing my mom paying taxes or whatnot i said well shoot i'm doing what i gotta do in college i ain't worried about that because i'm about to make 45 50k out of this bitch easily you know what i'm saying <laughs> i'm not thinking that i'm about to get taxed in a way in terms of like all that like if i make 2100 every two weeks as a teacher i'm only seeing 14 or 1500 of that i'm like dang like this is crazy and then after they take out my for my medicaid my social security i'm like shit 1300 Right. Right. Eleven hundred in two weeks. All right, yeah. shit. I guess I got a mess, but uh, shit, I, I gotta cook this problem. Problem moves, nigga. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I say that to say, like, you know, we're talking hood politics, and we're talking about redlining and all of these things, right? Um, and going back to what Mark said, whether it's within the redlining of like black businesses, you know, the the social conditions amongst the community, the opportunities, even with school, there's like a it's like a ceiling for us, it almost yeah. feels like, you know? And we're kind of stuck in the rut. And by the time we think we're about to get out the rut, we're like 62 and we got three years until retirement. And now we've cleared all our debts. All right, you got 15 more years to live, motherfucker. Enjoy the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. yeah. Have a good little ball. Mm -hmm. It's always that, uh, that interesting cycle of life. Yeah. Cycle of the modern end. Crazy, man. It's, it's always crazy. That, that interesting barrier in place. There's always a barrier. Just like we have a lot of brothers in prison right now that, um, are in prison for marijuana offenses you know these now they're, they're selling marijuana in dispensaries like it's all good when well, we still got brothers rotting away in prison and then and then if you're not a felon and you, you do want to join this industry um, I was looking into the industry in Maryland they want 250k just to get the license to sell it legally where's a brother gonna get 250k from to join this industry you know, it's not made for him to join. That's the barrier put in place to prevent those low-income communities from stepping into this. So they're just like, this is for us now. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You you gave us the blueprint. 
You know Thank what I'm saying? You. And now uh, we go for the Dominic We were watching closely on your Kush and, and bubblegum Kush. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we, we know what you're like, man. <laughs> and now they're selling us our own stuff. <laughs> yes. It's crazy. What do you think about 250K that? 250K for the license, brother. That's crazy. But you know who's got that 250? Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> crazy. It's a system of yeah. us, no matter what field or what paradigm we find ourselves in, mm -hmm. we're always being pimped. You could apply that to anything, brother. The framework yeah. of itself, too. Like when you think about music and you think about hip hop and how hip hop started and how it was like, oh, shoot, they rapping about this shit and people actually like, well, let's monetize on this motherfucker, right? Mm -hmm. Let's get, you know what I'm saying? So it's interesting when I think about that, like, you're right. Give every single black person his 40 acres and a mule? This will cause great ramifications upon the, the, upon the government. We can't allow that to happen into this great, this great beautiful nation. You know what right. I'm saying? Because every white man didn't have 40 acres. No. So it's going to be like, whoa, we can't have them owning more than us. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a power shift there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Very, very interesting. Is desegregation, gentlemen, is desegregation the answer to improving impoverished communities? Desegregation? So, check this out here. Yep. Author Richard uh, Rothstein says the housing programs begun under the New Deal, right? The housing programs begun under the New Deal were tantamount to a state-sponsored system of segregation. Again, a state-sponsored system of segregation. The government's efforts were primarily designed to provide housing to white middle class, lower middle class families, he says. African Americans and other people of color were left out of the new suburban communities and pushed instead into urban housing projects. Mm. So you're saying, so are you saying did that help us? Right. Desegregation? Yeah. Some people say, there's arguments that he did it. He mm. made things worse. Huh. Uh, yeah. Alright, so like, some people would say that you know what segregation did was it made the the it made the black worker more independent mm -hmm. as far as you know like you know as they, they they build things within their own communities you know they purchase things from their own communities they borrow things from their own communities and they built their own kind of their community built its own type of wealth mm -hmm. And then just like they, a lot of people have, well, there are arguments, I don't know fully, but there are arguments where they say like, you know, desegregation kind of just made it all fall apart. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? You just put, you put, you put these, you put these people in a competition with the rest of like, you know, working class and stuff. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, there are no more uh, black owned, <laughs> there are no more black owned uh, grocery stores, right, right. corner stores, there are no more black owned, you know, certain businesses, you yeah. know, that, all right, you know, since, since I can't go up the block and get uh, food from the, the white market, I'll, I'll go to the black one right here and I'll, you know, I'll build, you know, his business and stuff like that and yeah. we'll all go here and it's, you know, desegregation just, you know, didn't even level the playing field, it just... Right. Right. Collapse the playing field, you yeah. know, because now it's competition everywhere. That's true, you know, and that's that's one argument. Yeah, I, I don't know if I wholly agree with it, but you know, that's just an argument. Just to, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's actually what Malcolm was talking about. Malcolm yeah. X, he was saying, um, you know, desegregation actually destroyed the black community because 
at first, you know, we were riding on the buses owned by black company, owned by, by black people. We were going to the bank owned by black people. We were going to uh, the movie theater owned by black people. But when desegregation was put in place, everyone said, why am I going to ride on um, the black bus company when I can go to that nice white bus company? And then all the wealth shifted from the black businesses to the white because yeah. we wanted to, that inclusion. So sometimes that inclusion can sometimes, it, it can be a detriment to our wealth because we're now taken away from our own and saying we want to participate with them. And uh, now the business, you know, the, like you said, the grocery store up the block, you know, owned by the brothers now missing out on business because yeah. everyone wants to go to the shiny one yep. in the other neighborhood. Yep. So, man, it's tough, man. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, I, that could have been put in, that could have been intentional as well. Mm-hmm. They said they're building too many businesses, man. We got to kind of shift this thing out. You know what? And I see why you were a little bit confused with me at first because I wrote is, but I meant to write was desegregation the answer to improvement. Oh, gosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. That was my bad. No, it's all good. Sorry about that. Um, Excellent. And um, I think we reached our final question of the day. Excellent. Um, So moving forward, right? Moving forward, what is the solution or some possibilities in how communities of color can band together and uplift their own sector? Do we put our dollars into a mutual fund or a black bank to quantify results? Well, I don't think it's a mutual fund or or a black bank. I think if um, like the crowdfunding initiatives that are in place right now, like if we all put our dollars together and began buying property until we had enough property to, to have our own neighborhood or have our own, we can go crazy and say our own city. I think that would really push things forward because at the end of the day, it comes down to what what you own. Because a lot of people would say, oh, you know, if we all come together and buy stocks, that would be great. Yeah. But if you go to the bank and ask them for a loan on your stocks, they won't do it mm-hmm. because stocks are volatile. Right. But a bank will loan you money on your real estate because real estate is, is tangible. It's, it's actually, you know, it has a strong use case. Yeah. So I think the more real estate you own, the more power you own. Right. You can own all the stocks you want, but a bank's not going to say keep your stocks and I'll give you a loan on your stocks. But a bank will say, keep your house and I'll give you a loan on your house. Mm-hmm. So it's a stronger asset. It's a more stable asset. So I think that if, you know, people, keep, there's a couple of initiatives like, um, I forgot the brother's name, but he's, he's doing a crowdfunding uh, campaign where he's, you know, buying blocks in Houston. And, uh, I all, heard about that. Yeah. yeah and he's, he's really doing a fabulous job, man. He's, he's buying blocks in Houston, revitalizing them and then selling them to black, um, inhabitants you know only black people are are being sold these houses so he's keeping the neighborhood black while improving it Mm -hmm. now most developers may say you know I'm gonna you know buy a blocks and then I'm gonna sell them to whoever and he's being intentional saying only black people Wow. so that's 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 unheard of because he can get a lot more money if he just said you know we're gonna gentrify this neighborhood and sell them all to white people or whatever race it doesn't matter but he's trying to focus on not uh, gentrifying because he also bought an apartment building and he fixed it up. He could have easily raised the rents, but he said, no, I'm going to keep the rents the same. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure my people aren't being priced out of their neighborhoods, man. And I was just right. like, wow, that's commendable because I can't say I would do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but some people have a heart of gold, man. They're just here to, here to really build and uh, yeah. do something for the community. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Really cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Jerome, your thoughts on that? Oh, man. That's, that's, that's a great question, though. That's like a, that's an enormous, I, I was with you, like, I don't, I don't know where would we start to, like, change everything, I, everything, 
like how, how our whole outlook on like the way we deal with life as a people, like everything has to change. Like or like even closer to the point where it has to not not a revolution like type of thing, but like an internal or social or like a cultural revolution. How we deal with everyday life in general as Black people—that's a fact. You know what I mean? Because just like you know, for me personally, I've been like st- I've been very dedicated to like studying about Black about myself, about my people and stuff, and very and knowing the real true issues of what's going on, and it's just like. You know, like I was talking, we're so behind. Yeah. You know, we're so behind. You know, we've been, you know, literally, the, the world has declared war on us. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it used every types of tricks and every types of every, every type of uh, you know, financial power, you know, media power, social power, military power, and it just yeah. stuffed black people in this certain like spot. You know, and then. We just have to be vigorous and very, you know, and ambitious on bettering ourselves. But how do you do that with every individual every day? How do yeah. you say that to the, the dude that live in the projects? Or how do you say that to somebody that's in Charlotte? Yeah. How do you say that in, in the black community in, in Compton, in Atlanta? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you have this, you know, it takes, it's, you know, this game of life is just funny. So, you know, that's what I say. It has to be a very, uh, 180 <laughs> change yeah. with the just the black conscious state yeah you know definitely because we even have to see things now you know we even have to see things not even on a, a on a on a american level but on a global level like if you ask the average black dude what he knows about the black world right you know yeah it's true mm-hmm. yeah it's not true many enough. people will yeah you know you know it's, it, it's honestly like if you look at you know, if you look at Europeans or if you look at whites, there's a whole interconnection internationally and in America. You know, right. there's Europe, there's uh, Australia, and there's United States. Mm-hmm. There's this whole interconnected uh, understanding of what Western, what a Western civilized civilization is. Mm-hmm. But you know, in the black community, it's just fragmented cause just due to the past that we had. Yeah. So my whole thing is just needs to be a whole revolutionary like conscious state of how we look at life right all aspects of life yeah. economically you know socially and that's the way i only that's the only way i can see you know things actually changing when there's a conscious effort because when you see like how people deal with like you know if you look at not to say not to be like racial about it but when you look at other people like if it's like jews if it's like certain uh um, certain groups that come in there's a certain way they respond to the ills of life they respond a certain way. Mm. Could you expand upon that? Like financially, so they'll, like they'll say sometimes even like a like somebody that's coming from China or something like that. Like somebody will have like somebody will come. They say they'll come here and somebody will do the rag to riches. Like I, I'll wear the dirty shirts for now for that's the next true. generation. That's true. Right. I'm gonna do it all for my kids. Right. You know, my parents did it coming from Haiti. You they'll come from somewhere else. I'ma just I'ma eat. You know I'ma take all the the shitty jobs. I'ma do all the I'ma do all the groundwork. So when my kids come, you know, it will just keep growing and growing. It's interesting you say that because like I think about my experience growing up as a young Haitian American kid, and you know my mom worked um, as a home health aide for about fifteen. I'm, I'm lying, maybe like twenty, twenty-two years or something around that time frame, and. 
home health aides, they're the lowest of the lows, you know what I'm saying? They mm-hmm. go to the patient's house, you know, they take care of them, you know, yeah. take their pressure, yeah. stay with them, whatever, whatnot. And sometimes, like, I would barely see my mom. She would pull doubles, triples, yep. Yep. gone the whole week. I probably would only see a Saturday morning, and then that's it, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're never around because yep. they're out there doing that, 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 that um, extra laborious work, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And... They don't mind doing it even if they lived a better life and they were more socioeconomically inclined in their home country because their vision is for their kids yeah, yeah, their yeah, children, yeah, you know yeah, what i'm saying so yeah. they would get down to the nitty-gritty and just do it you know what i'm saying yeah. and us too as black people in america as black americans we would do it too to a certain ex- extent but we'll complain but they they just do it they just do it they work so hard they're slave but as long they, they have this vision that as long as my kids have a better life than me and their kids have a better life there's no problem with me doing this they have no pride when it comes to like pulling up their sleeves and getting their oh no 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 yeah, 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 yeah. you know what i'm saying they woke yeah you know and then what weeks, happens whoever look up now now look up we all went to school my, my, none of my parents graduated from. I'm, I'm the first generation. Me and me and my cousin is the only. My cousin became a doctor. Yes, I and stuff like that. And it's like we were the only ones who finished college out of our family because it's our family. Like you know what? We just gonna we're gonna work. Yo, just focus on school, man. Don't 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 worry about what this what I'm doing here with bills. Like you focus on that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of time I see now there's like this real quick. You know, it's real. I want it now. I want it now. Yeah. I want all the money now. I want it now. I want to. I want to live it up now and leave nothing for tomorrow. And you know, I just think it's just a whole conscious state just needs to like. It just needs to change. I was actually listening to the wise. I said the wise guys podcast. I do listen to our show, the wise guys. Please check it out. All right, we're on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts can be found. But I was actually listening to the to the roommates podcast uh, yesterday or the day before, and I remember the guy who was on there. Um, his name was Kevin too, by the way. Um, I guess he was like a relationship expert or something like that but what he was saying can actually be made applicable to what we're saying here he was saying that because he was talking about men black men black women and single relationships single mothers fathers and the dynamics of you know why they don't mesh and why they don't stay together and the the, the, the dysfunction of the broken home whatever not he was like don't let any of the things you see out here right now with black entertainment, black culture, celebrity culture fool you. Black people, we're messed up. We are pitiful right now. We are so far behind. We need to get it together. We are not where we need to be, and it's a shame. And when he said that, I said, yo, when I think about all of the stuff that goes on in the world today in black neighborhoods, black and black crime, you know, um, just the impoverished, just the impoverishedness and just the impoverties of life and all this other stuff, all the things happening in the black community is just like, you know, you know, yeah, fuck you from the third floor on the projects. You try to sleep, shit like that. It's just like, yo, you might not know that situation, but just know he fucked up up there. There's a yeah. lot of shit going on yeah, that holds yeah, us back yeah, as people, yeah, well, no, and it all stems back from just the systematic ways of oppression that have kept us in bondage for so oh, yeah, long. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's true. Because just the example that you just said, you know, looking in neighborhoods like that, and someone's yelling "fuck you" or something. Yeah. Like it's like if you stand there for an hour. And ask yourself, can we really come up as a people? Like, like, can we really transform yes. this overnight when you've got, you know, situations oh, like this? Yeah. And this isn't just yeah. one building. This is like hundreds of buildings. Yeah, yeah man. It's like to say that we can flip that and have a community of wealth is that's kind of, it just sounds like a 
sounds like a dream, you know? It's 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 a, it's a it's a crazy human phenomenon, man, that makes the person just yeah switch and just change. Yeah, you know, just switch and just change like that and just transform themselves. It's true. Yeah. It's I I don't know, like I was like how how does it? You could you could read so many books to see why it happens, when it happens, and it's just like you could fill the whole a year worth of a, 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 of a semester on. And all the books would be right. It's like it's just it's just a bunch of it's, yeah. it's so many factors that make the people change. There's so many factors. It's a fact, bro. There's so many factors, so many and factors. it's just like it's kind of a, like a, a one in a million moment. Yeah. Like how, what? How? It's cushion. <laughs> it's cushion and pads. Like like the bubble million. It's layered. Yeah, it's, it's layered. Extremely yeah. layered. It's it's funny because you know people will say things like you know. Just give them the education. It's the education. It's not the education. If I stack a bunch of books in the projects right now, they'll still yeah. be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's true, man. You know what? It's true because, like, I'll go, like, around my neighborhood is the Langston Hughes. Right. Uh, the Langston Hughes Library. Library. Mm-hmm. I don't see, I'm the only black person there. Right. <laughs> right. When I go, if I go study, if I go read something, I don't see no. The, the people that it was built for don't even use it. Yeah. It's, it's not just the education. It's, it's the mindset, but how do you change someone's mind? You need therapy. You need some. There's type no of way. Room. Yeah. There's no way because it's like life changes it. Right. You know what I mean? Like circumstances changes it. Yeah. There's no way. Like yo, you know, you think it's funny? Like I like not not to intercede, but it's funny. Like That's I, right, I, yeah. I, we always used to talk about the Haitians, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Haitian Revolution, right? Yes, we always did. Yes. I was a real big. I was a real big fan of it because it was just something in history that I never really learned about but you're talking about over a hundred years you've been there and you never thought about you did in a little 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 specs and stuff like that you kind of revolted here and there or you poisoned certain foods and stuff but you never really in a massive way revolted until whites started fighting each other you know what I mean until whites started fighting each other then you're like hold on what are you talking Oh, equality? Oh, everybody's free. Oh, no, we want in on that. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and it's just like, what makes the people sit there? What what makes the, the, the light switch go off? You know, there's over, what, there's 400,000 slaves there, and what makes 40,000, 50,000 of them say, you know what, today, I think I had enough. After these 100 years, yeah, I think we had enough. You know? Mm, that's good. And it's just like, what is... I was just thinking about it, just like it's 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 like a one in a million moment. It's like a it's like a it's kind of like a big bang theory type. That's very true. Because that one <laughs> in a million moment you're mentioning, right? Like when I really think about it now and put it into thought, that could have been Jamaica. That could it could have been, been any island. other island. That could have been Guyana. Yeah. It could yeah, it could it could have been any of those islands. It's but true. this one right here, yeah. right? But this one right here, and you know, and it just expanded, 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 and the how of people. Like literally, like how would people just being slaves transform themselves? Yeah. To be in a nation. Yeah. Oh yeah. One hundred percent. You know. One hundred percent. To fight against militaries, the, the the most superpowers of that world, to fight against three, to fight against the British, the Spanish, and the French, and the French. Right. You know, that's just like it's just it's like a big bang theory. Like, what makes human beings? What makes them click together? What makes them say, you know what? This is the nation who we are today. And that in itself was what America 
especially the South, was afraid of, which is why they tried to suppress and hide that information of the Haitian Revolution. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because definitely. they were scared when they found definitely. out that they actually rebelled back in Haiti and won. Definitely. And conquered the land, you know, so... You know, That's interesting. Definitely. Even even the United States of America, like the independence, it's been yeah. going off. What? You've been here for two hundred for two centuries. It's just like now you decide that you know yeah. Yeah, we're going we're going to throw Eng- England off, man. We're, right. we're kind of done with this whole king thing. But that's that's the thing, though. I mean, <laughs> even in this case, can you truly rebel when the problem is wealth? Oh no, no, there is no. Yeah, it's just I, like I, I, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, it's like you're fighting that's an good. invisible man at that point. No, yeah, that's real good. It's just. It's gonna take a genius, man, and it, and there's no, there's no like 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 you know like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, all these people, they're they're not the igniters of the movement. That's the people moving. They yeah. just harness the energy and and are able to convey the message in one person. That's true. You know, but they're not the igniters of it. The people are moving already. Yeah. You know, so it's just like when the people are moving, that's when you know. I often hear it that. just takes a lot. It's yeah, a lot. it takes a lot. It takes a lot. No one got no answers. <laughs> Nobody got the answers. No, without a doubt. You ain't got the answers, Swain. You ain't got the answers. That is a true, true fact. Um, excellent. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add, gentlemen, before we move on to the words of the wise segment? No, I'm pretty good. Excellent. So we're going to move on to the word to the wise segment, our final segment of today's episode. All right. Uh, Mark, if you don't mind, I'll actually allow you to start off with the word to the wise, and then I'll go, and then Jerome can close this out since he's our guest for today's show. Definitely. Um, I guess my word would just be, well, just persevere. I mean, we don't have the uh, we don't have the answer, we don't have the the solution, but we just have to keep going. The only thing we can do is keep going and try new things, try to gain knowledge, and just keep moving forward because we don't know what's the right move and what's the wrong move yeah. but they, they switch gears on us every other every other generation so it's uh it's tricky man we just have to persevere and keep going we have some of the blueprint when it comes to wealth building but just to get our whole community together it's going to be complicated man but Definitely. we just got to keep you know trying to educate each other see if we can try to get something moving Definitely. yeah Dang, this is one of the this is one of the hardest words of the wisest we've ever done because this is truly such a this is truly such a convoluted topic yeah you know but my word to the wise for today would be experiment to kind of piggyback on what you were saying mark just experiment and just you know it's kind of like you know with the, with you know with what we were talking about earlier with me trying to learn how to make beats on the npc just right. hit the drum pads man hit the keys <laughs> you know just try to just start figuring things out find out what the flows yeah. are what the rhythms are yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah. just keep trying and you know, try like, can I squeeze, can I squeeze this much drum space within these eight bars? Let me try to see if I can get that going. Because exactly. the fact that I got a hot ass rhythm of this, you know. So just experiment, um, wise community and everyone in the black community, and kind of see where that can take you. So that's my word to the wise for today. It would just be experiment. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm not even confident in that answer. But it's right. worth a try. What else do we have, you know? Yeah. Jerome, what's your word to the wise for today? Just awareness. Just be aware. You know, sometimes you can't. I found that like it's it's hard to like change like a person's way of thinking because that's part of their identity that's you true. know and it's just like you know just being aware of what's going on you know who you are and you know where you need to get to you know and that's how I feel like sometimes even like in a black community I feel like you're just being aware you may not can change the condition but if 
you know, awareness is like the first step. Yeah. You know, I feel just, just you know, just being aware. Like, agreed. Now I'm with you on that. That's yeah. Aware. All right. Well, Jerome, again, like I said before, you are a wise guy now, man. Thank you for coming on to this episode of the show. Thank you for coming in and being our nah, first bro, studio guest, man. It's Definitely. A blessing. It's a blessing. Man. Absolutely. We're always uh, happy to have you on the show. And um, I'm, I think that this was a great follow-up to our uh, prior conversation. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, Jerome, if uh, the people out there would like to reach you and figure out you know, where they can connect and, and get to know you a little more or ask any questions, where can they find you online? Oh, man. Instagram, man. I'm, I'm heavily on it. Uh, John Davis, 1791. You know, that's my... That's my grand name, you know. Check me out. It's a lot of different, a lot of different uh, other things I do. Absolutely, <laughs> Renaissance man. Renaissance man. Yeah, Renaissance yeah, yeah. So yeah, check me out. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say this because you know this guy, he's just so humble with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I just want to add this in regards to Jerome. He could be the next W.E.B. Du Bois if he wanted to. Man. This mm. this man, this gentleman right here. He's profoundly gifted. He's intelligent. He's a scholar. You know, he's 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 an artist, writer, musician. Th this guy right here, he he can be the next W E B Du Bois, and as well as the other person I put you onto a month a month or two months ago, a Gordon Parks, mm -hmm. someone who's well rounded and does a lot a lot of things. That's so, a beautiful thing for sure, for sure. Um, so again, Jerome, we thank you for coming on today uh, today's show and. Uh, we're actually, uh, you know, we'll, we'll let the wise community know in a minute. But I just wanted to say this before we move on. This podcast itself, you can find us online on Anchor, Spotify. Uh, what else did I say before? Uh, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, uh, Stitcher Radio. You can also find us on YouTube. Be sure to find us on there. Uh, leave a review, please, please, please. If you are listening and tuning in on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to leave a review on the show. Um, and as well as be sure to rate the show. We need more ratings and, and more reviews, guys. The more we have you doing this, the more our show gets uh, uh, more aware to the public. You know, we have a few people rocking with us out there, but we would want so much more as we have already. So thank you so much. And you can find us online across all socials at the wise guys nyc again that's all socials at the wise guys nyc all right this show is brought to you by flowered concrete a media-based company um hell-bent on providing the narratives of marginalized people all right so with that being said next week's episode episode 44 is called too good for the hood right and we're actually bringing Jerome back for another episode. That sounds great. The first time we have a guest coming back on for two episodes in a season and back to back like Drake. Exactly. It should be good. You happy to be coming back with us, man? I am ecstatic. Excellent, excellent. Let's do excellent. it. Let's do it. So, wise community, don't get too, you know, dis, you know, disattached or disconnected with Jerome yet. He'll be back for another week, all right? So, with that being said, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is your boy Kevin Unglad. And this is Mark Pruden. And we are joined by our very special guest, Jerome Davis. And you have been tuning in to the Wise Guys Podcast. We'll see you all next week. Stay wise. Stay wise.